Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're going to be talking about Pat Fitzgerald a little bit. Make sure to like and follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, you guys know the drill. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Big Ten Football Talk. And then you can email me at Talk at gmail.com. I'll be honest, I've been away from the email. I've been away from social media a little bit. I was on vacation as of July 7th, and ironically, that is when I posted the Big Ten football coach rankings. And in that list, I had mentioned that I wasn't sure what Pat Fitzgerald's future would be after this season. Little did I know that on Friday afternoon, July 7th, that there would be a a very subtle news drop of an investigation at Northwestern, and little did I know that three days later, after Pat Fitzgerald had first been suspended for two weeks, that he would be outright fired by the president, being out of a job before the end of the week before the start of the season, to which now David Braun, the new defensive coordinator coming over from North Dakota State, is now the interim head coach at Northwestern. It's been a whirlwind, and I I heard the news that Monday the 10th, and I, you know, my first inclination was to get on and record, you know, strike while the iron's hot, right? And first, I want to explain my own reason why I didn't do that. I've, I've been a major college football fan probably since 2001, Maybe a little. I, I liked college football before that, but really it was Jim Trestle, the Jim Trestle era at Ohio State that really got me excited. And then Probably for the past 20 years, I have been a massive, massive fan. Big fan of college football. Not just Ohio State, but everywhere. And in that time, I have seen two, well, no, that's not true, at least three major scandals, two at Ohio State, one at Penn State. And all three... I felt that the media coverage has been at best unfair and at worst slanderous um, and defaming. So I, I am just, I'm very cautious to comment quickly on things like this. And in a lot of ways, someone actually texted me about this situation and 
my immediate comment was this feels a little like the Penn State situation with Joe Paterno. And just to be very clear, there's a lot of difference in those scenarios. So before people get on me and say, how could you say this is the same thing as that? And before Penn State fans jump on me by saying, how could you say that about Joe Paterno? I'm talking about just by and large, they feel similar in this regard. There was something that was very, very, very wrong going on in the program. And the program felt that there was a leadership problem at the top. Whether they knew about it or not, either way, it in their purview, it wasn't good. That they, if they knew, something should have been done beforehand. If they didn't know, they should have known. It's kind of it's a lose lose situation for the leader of the program, your CEO, and therefore they got to go. And so, because of that, and I was in State College when everything went down with Joe Pa. I just don't think it's wise to analyze it early. And so I didn't. And I've been trying to listen to some more reasonable podcasts. I listen to Buckeye Talk, uh, Doug Maurice and Nathan Baird over there. They do great work. Um, I listen to their take on things. Uh, read a few articles on Sports Illustrated. I, you know, I think I've, I've never been a big Pat Forty guy. But I thought he had a decent article. Shout out to Jim Ebersol for sending me that that article. Uh, wrote read another article by uh, Patrick Andrus out of Northwestern, uh, out of uh, Sports Illustrated as well. Um, so so I, I wanted to get some information. The other things I, I was on vacation, and unless you know, unless it was something earth shattering, which I think Pat Fitzgerald getting fired is earth shattering, but it's. Earth shattering in a way that I'm like, I, I don't want to comment on it too quickly. USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, that felt like something I needed to, to just jump on immediately. This was one of those things where I'm like, I, I need time to think about this. And I I felt like vacation was actually helpful to, to, to think about that. So that's why this, this podcast is dropping. 12 days after the initial report on July 7th. Now, if you're just tuning in and you're like, what happened to to Pat Fitzgerald? Because while it's been widely reported, there's a there's quite a few people that still don't know what's going on. You know, my mom, who's a big Ohio State fan, she had no idea that Pat Fitzgerald got fired. Um, and so here's what has been going on. And a lot of this I'm getting from the Patrick Andrus article in Sports Illustrated. Um, Pat Fitzgerald's fired Monday night, July 10th. Uh, it was because of an investigation uh, that that was made, or an investigation that came about because of allegations made by a whistleblower in November 2022, and they were largely corroborated. Um. It was an investigation into hazing within the football program. On on so on Friday there was a news dump about that, and Pat Fitzgerald was suspended for two weeks 
which it, it kind of just felt like a slap on the wrist, right? Because it's off season. It's not even training camp yet. No, he's not missing any games. And honestly, it kind of felt like it wasn't even, to, it, it didn't feel like a suspension. It more felt like it was a, uh, how do you say it? Um, like a, a, a leave of absence. I, I'm not saying that's, they, they said suspension. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that it was officially that, but the feel of it was almost like, hey, something is wrong. You just need to go away for a little bit. That's that's kind of what, almost what it felt like. Others might feel like it was a slap on a wrist. So, so that happened on Friday. Saturday, student journalists Nicole Marcus, Alice Brown, Cole Reynolds, and Diva Bardwa of the Daily Northwestern. It, it's their their student newspaper. They reported details uncovered by the investigation, including allegations of coerced sexual acts. And then later reports from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg and Bradley Locker of Inside Northwestern University, or Inside NU, corroborated such claims. The Daily Northwestern also reported allegations of racism within the program by several former players. Now, that's important. It's former players, not current players. So this happened maybe years ago. So all of that is coming to a head. So Friday, this happens. He's suspended. And then Saturday, it, there's there's more. And I, I think, you know, Pat came out on Friday, did a news conference, said he didn't know anything about it. You know, whether we know that that's true or not, we're not sure. You know, the Lord knows that's that's what's going on. But then, you know, the and the president said he knew that much of this was true on, I think, on Monday. He, he knew, but then unilaterally made the decision to fire Pat Fitzgerald. I, Pat Fitzgerald... To understand the the significance of this, like Pat Fitzgerald, you know, on Cleveland.com, Buckeye Talk, they were, they're analyzing this. Like, this is not the first time that there's been a beloved head coach at Northwestern. They've actually had several really good head coaches over the past years. You know, Gary Barnett went to two Rose or went to a Rose Bowl, right, with Pat Fitzgerald as a player. And Randy Walker, before his tragic death, he was a good coach. And and now you got Pat Fitzgerald, right? So they've they've had three really good coaches in a row. This is this is the difference. Pat Fitzgerald isn't just a good coach. He's an institution. Like he's an institution of him, like uh, like in himself, right? He was a Nagurski Award winner and Bednarik Award winner in nineteen ninety five and nineteen ninety six. He led the program to their first Rose Bowl for the, you know, in 48 years. They hadn't been to the Rose Bowl since 1948. They got there in 96. As a coach, he's the winningest coach in the history of the program with a record of 110 and 101. This is at Northwestern. Like, for those of you who are like Michigan fans, Ohio State fans, Penn State fans, and don't have any context of the Big Ten, you might hear that and be like, eh, 
But if if you are like this is bigger than like Greg Schiano at Rutgers building Rutgers in their heyday, right? This this is and I, in many ways it's the Joe Paterno of Northwestern. Which is why I compare the two, right? Like Joe Pa became an institution and it still in many ways is an institution to Penn State. Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, you're not talking about a guy who was a coach for 17 years, right? You're talking about a guy who has been at that program, I think, since 1992, who's been linked to that program. He is a Chicago native. He has coached there, I believe, since 2001. And so he has been there uh, on, on and off for, for nearly 30 years. And he has accomplished great things. He has two division titles in an improved Big Ten, right? And he took Ohio State to the limit in 2020. So this is a... To do this, to fire him, it, it's it's not a a mea culpa. It's it's not a like it's not a small thing. D- despite the fact that things were going haywire, right? Like he's had a couple of bad seasons, but to just fire him after building all this type of goodwill, right? It's it's a significant thing. It's a very significant thing. And so how do you how do you digest it? How do you analyze it? And I know there are probably several there are probably many who are like, he gets what he deserves. You know, he needs to be fired ASAP because of the the the, the nature of the allegations, the nature of what happened. He is the leader of that program, he's the CEO. Obviously he should be fired. And then there are many we're probably just sitting there like, what the heck? Like he, like there's no one, who knows if he knew or not. See, we know, we know everything that happened, but there's still not a lot known of, of who knew and who, who didn't know. And so there's just a lot here that's just confusing. And the, the one Good thing I, I I think that I've seen in the media coverage is it just doesn't seem like people are going down the, the hole that they went through with Joe Pop, with Jim Trestle, with Urban Meyer, where there was just a lot of vitriol and, and oh gosh, interpretation early. And I appreciate that because we still, we just don't know a lot about what happened to Pat. Or like, what did Pat know? What did he not know? How could he not know that this was going on? We're, we don't know. We don't know. We do know uh, after Pat was fired, he said he's getting his legal team together about the president reneging on his action to fire him. So how do we how do we take this all in? How do we how do we take all this? And what what's my analysis on it. And again, I'm going to be the I'm going to try to be very careful. I think it in some ways it makes sense in this day and age that he was 
he was fired when he was. Um, I'm not going to discuss the acts that were done, but they were they were they were disgusting acts, and. It's, you know, for anyone who's sitting there, they're like, oh, it's just locker room stuff. It's not just locker room stuff. And and if that, if that, we have to get out of that mindset. Like, it's a, it was abusive behavior. Flat out. And so that was going on in this program. And it, it seems like it wasn't something that just happened a year ago. It seems like that there was a culture that was built up over time. And so regardless of the lack of Pat's knowledge, at some point, if you are the head coach there, not for, not for three years, not for five years, not for 10 years, but for close to 17 years, and you've been in the program for, you know, in and out of the program as a player and a coach for close to 30 years. At some point, you should have some sort of idea that something is off, right? Like, you gotta have some sort of idea. And for this to come through a whistleblower and not that Pat heard about it and that he did something about it. Like, there is something amiss there. Now, should Pat be fired for that? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the question, but I can understand it. Because if you, it, you know, as, as someone who is in charge, by in charge, not, not with... 110 people, but like with a team of five or six people that I lead. There are things that I should know about as I observe things. Like I should know who the locker, you know, I should know things going on. Just like he should know, at least and I have an idea of what's going on in the locker room. And if he doesn't know, his assistants should be helping him know what's going on. Right? Like, that's just the reality. When you're the CEO of a program, you should, you should know that. So, I think that's part of it. I, I think Pat Forty makes a really good point in his article, too. Not many coaches or fraternity presidents or others in campus leadership. These are his words, Pat Forty's words. Not many coaches or fraternity presidents or others in campus leadership positions are going to win a PR battle in 2023 if the words hazing and naked have been attached to your organization. And so at that point, whether fair or unfair, I think it does make sense that Pat was fired. And I think it's, it's, it's helpful. He's, this is so much better now than I think 10 years ago and even five, five years ago with, with Urban, I think it's very clear he's being fired because of the culture. And that is a fair thing. As the CEO of a program, you are culpable for the culture that is created under your watch. 
And so if there are things that you don't know about and that aren't brought to your attention and people don't have the freedom to bring those things up to you, like that's a problem with your culture. And the fact that you didn't know anything about it, that's a problem. It's a weakness and it's a fireable weakness when it gets to this point, right? So notice I'm by no means am I saying that he was complicit because we don't know that. By no means am I saying that he shouldn't, that he's unemployable because he's not. And we'll talk about that. All I'm saying is that I, I just think a lot of this has to do with, one, the climate of our day, which I think in, in some ways there are weaknesses to it, but I think there are real strengths in that we're just not going to stand for sexual abuse and sexual harassment. And that's a really good thing. And also, I, I think just the reality that if you are the leader of a program and you are the leader for that long and you have no idea that this is going on, like it just doesn't matter if you didn't know. You should have done something. Um, so that, that's, that's a thought. Here's where, though, I get... I get a little nervous and, and confused. So far, Pat Fitzgerald has been fired. But it doesn't seem like anyone else is going. Like, it seems like this was a very convenient way to get rid of a struggling head coach in the past couple of years. And they're not getting rid of anybody else on the staff. Now, maybe that's just to, to maintain, you know, some continuity for this interim year and then they'll clean they'll clean house at the end of the season. But it just it just seems odd that they're getting rid of Pat and nobody else. Like nobody else is culpable. And so I, I do have questions about that. I have questions about leadership. W- one other note, and I, I really appreciated this point that Doug Maurice and Nathan Baird brought up. The athletic director is, is new. The president is new. And so the old president, the old athletic director, they like, they, you can't pin it on them because they weren't part of this culture building. They're, they're walking in new, they're walking in cold. And so in, in some senses, it's like, well, who's the head guy? Who can we pin this on? Well, it's Pat. And, and that's, I think, what happened. So I think that's my take so far. I don't think the whole story is written. I'll make this last point, and then we'll go to a break. I, I think Pat is unemployable in college for the next couple of years. However, I think if the NFL comes calling, I think he's going to be employed very quickly. I would not be surprised, right? I mean, how many years was Pat Fitzgerald linked to an NFL job, which he chose not to take? I mean, just recently, the Green Bay Packers. I think that was what, in 2021? So I... I don't think he's unemployable because of this, 
Now, it gets really dicey if things do come out that he knew that he can he didn't condone it or he looked the other way. Those things that'll change that'll change things. But an NFL locker room, you know, you're you're depending more on player leadership at that point than coach leadership because they're getting paid. And that I I think NFL teams will see what he did at Northwestern as a coach. And I think I think he'll be a coach sooner rather than later. That's it's a, a, I think Pat Forty was was saying that he he thinks he'll get a job sooner rather than later. Um, now he thinks it'll be for college. I I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be college first. That's that's my guess. Um, I think it'll be NFL, but. Those are a few takes. Let me take a quick break, and then I want to get back to what Northwestern, where Northwestern goes from here. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I want to talk a little bit about where Northwestern goes from here. Obviously, David Braun is the interim head coach for the Wildcats. And, you know, he's a competent guy. I don't, unless if they would have some miraculous season, you know, he's probably not going to be the guy moving forward. That's just my guess. It's a tough gig to go from a division, uh, I think it's, no, it's FCS, FCS, uh, to go from an FCS school to not just a Big Ten program, but a Big Ten program that has the academic rigors that you have to have to qualify. And so I, I want to preface what I'm about to say. There, there's a lot of names out there that I, I, I don't understand. So like one was Matt Campbell out of Iowa State, which I, I think he's just linked to everybody. And I'm like, why would Matt Campbell even think about going to Northwestern? Like, no offense, Wildcat fans. I'm not. I'm not trying to take the wind out of yourselves. But you got to know who you are. Like that. That's a. It's not. It may not be a step down in terms of competitive competitiveness year to year because Northwestern can has shown that it can get up, but Iowa State is in a much better position competitively right now than Northwestern. Like, Iowa State's in the Big 12, where, you know, they they have, like, three power programs, maybe. And, you know, the the only reason why Matt Campbell would jump to Northwestern is to get uh, get into the Big 10 and get get in the Big 10 money. But, like, you want to jump to Northwestern when Northwestern's about to go through... It's rockiest season. So, like, that's one thing. The other thing you have to recognize is you're not just, re- you're not just replacing a success- successful coach. 
right? Like you're replacing this school's Joe Paterno. You're replacing this, in many ways, this school's uh, Bo Schembechler. You're replacing this school's Woody Hayes. Like, and that sounds crazy. He's the winningest coach. As a player, he's uh, Rose Bowl, uh, got them to a Rose Bowl, won them two Big Ten championships. Like, he's been there forever. And so you got to understand that. And yet at the same time, you got to understand that my guess is the Northwestern Athletics Department doesn't necessarily want to bring in a, a Pat Fitzgerald disciple. Because look what just happened with Pat Fitzgerald. You know, right? They're probably not going to want this. So a couple names I'm, I'm going to throw out. That, I, that I've heard that I I can understand it and I would I would argue it's a bad idea not because they're a bad coach and not because I don't think they could do something but I I just think it's not reading it's not reading all the context it's not understanding all the context so the first one is you know Matt Campbell like Probably the hottest name out there. Let's just get Matt Campbell. No, like, I, I don't think it makes sense. Like, Iowa State is not in the same academic stratosphere as Northwestern is. He doesn't understand that. He might understand player development, right? Because he can make uh, two and three star guys into NFL talents. But, like, this is a different animal. So, just no. I don't think it works. Um, I, I think a couple names. One was uh, by Steve Wiltfong. Uh, he, he mentioned uh, Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator for Michigan. That he's, he's on the short, that he could be on the short list, that he should be the number one guy they go after. Uh, Sharon Moore is a brilliant offensive coordinator. Like he's, I think, you know, really has revitalized the Michigan offense. I mean, he's coached them to uh, two consecutive Joe Moore award, uh, two consecutive Joe Moore awards, which is the award for top offensive line in the country. Nobody's ever done that until him. So he's been, Great there as an offensive line coach. Uh, he is the current offensive coordinator. Obviously, he has helped them do what Michigan had not been able to do for decades, which was beat Ohio State and beat them twice, beat them in Columbus, and they're beating pretty good Ohio State teams. Like it's not like Ohio State's on a downturn. Like he has helped transform that offense. So. Like, he's a hot young coach. He's 37. He's, you know, he's coaching in the Big Ten. So it makes sense, right? Go get the hot young coach. Pump the brakes. Just pump the brakes. You want a hot young coach to now go to the hardest school to recruit to in the Big Ten, where it's probably really hard to get transfers to come, which is what he was doing before he's been 
an expert at helping transfers come in to that offensive line, right? Do you think he's going to have the same success at Northwestern? Probably not. And again, you're asking him to take all that momentum and to come in after a legendary, a legendary figure at Northwestern. I, I think it's actually setting up Sharon Moore for a, a bad run as a coach. Like, this is not the job. If I were Sharon Moore's agent, I would say, you steer clear of this one, buddy. Don't do it. Because not only is it a possible basement job, but also, like, your your legacy is going to take a hit. And also, you've got to win over a fan base in, in that loved Pat Fitzgerald. So I, I just don't think it's it's a good hire because of the context, right? The same thing, and this was a, a Buckeye talk thought, was Jim Leonard, who is, you know, obviously interimed at Wisconsin. He does not have a job right now. So you could make an argument that they, they do the year with David Braun, see what happens, and they say, hey, let's go get Jim Leonard. But again, I would argue that Jim Leonard is a, was a hot name, hot young coach. He's 40, which is young in coaching years. And I would just say, don't, don't do it. I will say Leonard makes more sense than more to me. I will say that. But I just don't think it works. Like, I, I think Jim Leonard would do well at like a Cincinnati or like, and I think Sharon Moore is, is this too. Like, give give either of these guys either a, a really good group of five program, or give them a mid to high level power five job. But don't put them here. Like, this is not the job for them, because you're basically saying, hey, I want you to fix the mess, not just the the football team, but the football culture. And it's a little different to do that than just to turn around a football team that's bad, right? Northwestern's already been bad at football for the past couple years, but they've got a culture problem that they've got to fix. And so you've got to do some things to fix the culture. And that's not something that I think a hot young coach is really, really good at, right? And then you're, you're compounding that by giving them the hardest place in the Big Ten to recruit to. Now, I know things are changing for Northwestern. They're, they're getting a new facility. They've got new facilities. They're getting a new stadium. Good. Guess who helped build all that? Pat Fitzgerald, right? So you're following the, the institution. That's, that's debilitating. And so you, you need a guy who is seasoned and who, who is a culture builder and knows how academic institutions like this work. One, one more that I've heard that I think is, it, it's a nice sentiment and knows the culture of Northwestern, but I just don't think Northwestern will go for him, is Mike Kafka. I, Mike Kafka is a former uh, quarterback for Northwestern. Uh, he's currently the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Um, 
bright young mind. You know, he's been in the NFL for the past, I think, six years. He was in the NFL for a, a stint as a backup, practice squad guy. So he's been around football for a while. He was very good at Northwestern. Again, I don't think Northwestern is going to want to go after a Pat Fitzgerald disciple. Like, I just don't think that's going to work. You're trying to distance yourself and you're trying to create a new culture. So I just don't think it works. So that, that being said, I, I think there's two names where I think it really does make sense. And they might be two names that you don't expect. And I might be way off on this, but they're two names that I think actually make the most sense. The first one, and it's the one that I think isn't as good, but I think it makes a lot of sense. David Clawson, or Dave Clawson, out of Wake Forest. He's 55. He's been the coach at Wake Forest uh, for not, I think this would be year 10 for him. As a head coach at Bowling Green and at Wake Forest, uh, and I think he was at Richmond and Fordham before that, but he's a little over 500. And he has engineered some good teams at, honestly, an academics first college, right? Wake Forest, it's, Wake Forest is maybe not ultimately the same caliber as Northwestern, but it's, it's known as a small academic, like brilliant academic institution, right? And he has been very good for them in the past uh, seven seasons, only one losing season, that was the pandemic. He is been in seven straight bowl games, five and two. Uh, they were they went to an ACC championship game in 2021. Like he's had a good run as the coach there. And the reason why I think Clawson could make the jump is because the ACC is a sinking ship, right? It, now, it's not the sinking ship that the Big 12 is, or the Pac-12 for that matter, but let's just be very honest. The Big 10 and the SEC are the most secure conferences in college football right now. The ACC is not. The ACC, for now, has Florida State and Clemson and the U. And, and a couple other, like, big pillar schools, right? But depending on how much money the Big Ten or the SEC throw around, that could change really quickly. At this point, to go to the Big Ten would make sense for Dave Clawson. He's older, but more importantly, he knows how to build a culture in an academic atmosphere, and he knows how to change cultures. So I like Dave Clawson. The other guy I like, one actually, before I, I go to the other guy, it's also interesting. He did coach also at Lehigh and at Fordham. The Patriot League schools often are like Ivy League light schools. And, you know, they're, again, academically rigorous so he knows that culture. He understands that that idea. 
So I think that's a good fit. The other one that I'll say, and I think this might be a little tougher, but it's it's still this this still the same attraction. It is going from a conference that isn't as secure to a conference that is rock solid. And it's Mike Elko at Duke. Mike Elko, he's younger, he's 45, but he's been he's been the head coach for two years now. Um, so he has more experience and he has been, I, sorry, this is his second year. Um, but he was a defensive coordinator all around, um, all around the league or all around big, big time programs, Wake Forest and not a big time program, but you know, that's an academic institution, uh, high academic, I should say Notre Dame, high academic admission uh, standards, Texas A&M, big time college football. And then he goes to Duke and reels off a nine and four record uh, in the ACC, you know, had a really good year last year. Um, now granted, he was following uh, David Cutcliffe, who is a good coach. But I think, you know, he's got a year under his belt at a big time college program. So he's not just testing the waters, right? You know, he had good success against better programs, right? He beat Miami. He beat Virginia Tech. Now, I know they're down, but he beat those schools, right? He was close with North with North Carolina. Um, he beat Northwestern. So, like, he's got experience as a head coach. More importantly, he has experience at an institution that has higher academic standards. That's what I, I, I realized. I kept saying... Uh, high academics or it's academic. They're all academic, right? All of them have at least some academic standard. But everybody knows there's a difference between Ohio State and Penn State and even Michigan, though Michigan probably wouldn't admit that, to Duke, to Stanford, to Wake Forest, and to Northwestern. There's a difference, right? And you want a guy who can understand that culture. Mike Elko is also a, he's a young coach, but it's different because he, he has a year under his belt and he's learning the culture there. Um, now, would he take the job? I don't know. But again, it's going from the ACC, which is not as secure, not as stable, as going to the Big Ten. And he went to Duke, right? Like David Cutcliffe had done a good job of building that program. But 2021, they went three and nine, right? Like it's not like they were great. They were two and nine in 2020. So it was a massive turnaround for Mike Elko to go from three and nine to nine and nine and four. So I, I think Elko is, I think he's the, the best choice. And I think Dave Clawson is, is right behind him. And if, if I'm the Northwestern Athletic Director, that's who I'm zeroing in on. Now, it may be hard because you're, you're taking them from established jobs, but I, I think you can you could at least tempt them with security, with new state-of-the-art facilities, with a new, uh, with a new stadium, and a fat contract. Because they're going to get paid going to the Big Ten. And, and again, the, the goal 
is do they know the culture and can they build culture and and can they build a culture can they reestablish culture i think one other guy and it, it's going to seem like a swerve I think he would have actually been the perfect guy for this, minus the fact that he doesn't know the culture of high academic standards, uh, is Matt Rule. Um, but Nebraska got him. Because I think he's the, the – I think of guys who fix culture, and Matt Rule's the guy that I think of, right? He, he changed and transformed Temple. He changed and transformed Baylor. You know, and that was after Art Bryles, right? Like that was a – Big time problem. And Matt Rule would have been the guy. Like that's your that's your your dream guy. But he's he just took Nebraska. And sorry, you're not leaving Nebraska to go to Northwestern, despite the fact that Nebraska's been a dumpster fire over the past few years. Like, you just don't do that. Northwestern needs to understand who it is and, and who they need to help fix this thing. So that's that's my thought. What do you guys think? I'd love your thoughts. I know this is a little bit different of a podcast, um, but I would love your thoughts. Starting next week, we're going to start rolling out the uh, best case, worst case. So be stay tuned for that. Uh, I'll be dropping them. Uh, I will let you know what the schedule is for dropping those podcasts. But really appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, let me know what your thoughts. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Take care. God bless. Bye.